greatest symbol of excellence in sports entertainment. The upcoming presentation is a two-man power trip of wrestling podcast production. Welcome to the Hogan Era Podcast. I am your host, JP John Paz. This is, of course, part of the two-man power trip of wrestling's podcasting empire on the TMPT feed. Each and every week here on the Hogan Era Podcast, we're talking about the greatest era ever 
in the history of the pro wrestling business, 1984 to 1993 in the WWF, a.k.a. the golden era, the era where Hulk Hogan became the most dominant force in the universe. With, obviously, the Hogan era and the Hulkster comes a lot of great feuds, a lot of great times, a lot of great memories and matches for the Hulkster during that era. And each and every week, we're talking about a lot of the big feuds here right now. And that's kind of been the primary focus. Talking about King Kong Bundy, talking about Andre the Giant, Rowdy Roddy Piper, Kamala, the big boss man, and the list goes on and on and on. Today, we're talking about somebody that was one of those side feuds, like we talked about a few weeks ago, when Earthquake was the main feud, Dino Bravo had the side feud, and they had actually Hogan, shockingly, wrestling a one-on-one match on Superstars, which rarely happened basically uh twice i think orton bob orton was the other one and and dino as far as one-on-one matches and superstars as far as i remember and then there's other feuds that's like okay who's going to be the quote-unquote bridge guy the guy that okay you're feuding with the one guy all the way at the end of the bridge but hogan needs to walk over that bridge to continue the feud with that guy and end it on a big note and a positive note that's what dino was he was the perfect bridge guy intermediary feud when hogan is feuding with the earthquake and really you know he would beat dino bravo quite soundly but he was a nice little roadblock if you will a nice little stepping stone before the finish of destroying earthquake who actually ended up injuring the hoaxer at one point but i digress as we were talking about here another bridge guy a manager type but not necessarily a manager in, in in meaning truly because he actually is a wrestler who was also a manager but we're talking about the genius lanny poffo leaping lanny and he was really the bridge guy for mr perfect we talked about mr perfect several weeks ago on the show great feud with the hulkster almost could have been more almost could have been longer but they did have the genius kind of be a really integral part of this feud with perfect they got a lot of heat tremendous amount of heat the crowd really wanted hogan not only to be perfect but they wanted him to wring the neck of the genius they absolutely wanted to kill lanny poffo i mean they just absolutely hated him you know his little uh his little poems his little rhymes whatever you want to call them you know him him and his uh his ridiculous hat and his gown and his, and it's just the way he spoke and just his verbiage i mean everything about him the crowd absolutely hated the genius and you know, you hated Perfect by proxy, but I think they really hated the genius even more because you almost respect Perfect. He's such a great athlete, such a great wrestler. Then he's like, oh, this guy, the genius. Uh, he makes me sick. He thinks he's better than everybody. He thinks he's smarter than everybody. The Hulkster needs to give him his comeuppance. But first, Pafo would join the WWF in basically July, um, really July 13th on the episode of WWF Championship Wrestling. And he would team up with Pedro Morales, and they defeated J.A. Rizzo and Barry O. in Poughkeepsie, New York. That was really kind of the first match on TV in 1985 for the WWF. And if you kind of look at it, it's like, okay, he's in there. Why is Lanny Poffo in there? He's just Lanny Poffo, or he's just Leaping Lanny, obviously because of the Macho Man. They took both guys from their home turf, you know, from their home promotion. Well, really... ICW was was kind of the precursor to them joining CWA in Memphis and then joining the, the WWF. There was a little bit of Mid-South for, for Lanny in between. But really, when ICW closes up shop after ripping Lawler and ripping Jarrett, they bring him in as far as the Macho Man. They bring in Leap and Lanny along with him. But Macho was so much money 
and he was just a great draw for them. And they knew Savage versus Lawler. They saw the star power, so they had to bring him in. Savage, of course, the loyal guy that he is, always likes to bring his brother a lot of places where he is. So he brings him into the fold in the Memphis territory. And then when Savage jumps in 85 to WF, he brings in Leaping Lanny along with him. So as Lanny is going along, you know, initially he's undefeated, but he's wrestling guys like Mr. X, Rene Goulet, and Terry Gibbs, Barry O again, Moondog Spot. Nobody too great, but really, then they start losing. Well, then he starts losing, really. His team's up with Keith Diamond, another enhancement guy. They lose to Iron Sheik and Nikolai Volkov. And then he has a bunch of losses to Jesse Ventura, Big John Stud, the missing link. So I wouldn't say, you know, he's getting completely squashed or treated like a jobber, but he is getting beat. And he's kind of the over the enhancement guy, over over the jobber role guy. I mean, he's, he's better than that. And he's going to beat those guys as well. But he's going to lose to the bigger names, like I mentioned, like a Jesse the Body Ventura or Big John Stud. He's not really going to have, you know, too many big big wins if, if you will his really first major appearance was saturday night's main event october 5th 1985 he recited a poem at the wedding for uncle elmer um you know nothing really too crazy as, as he kind of moves along tiger chung lee sd jones i mean he's getting some victories here and then he's going to lose to like uh, jim Neville nightheart and hercules so, you know, nothing too crazy, nothing too big. It's not not going to be anything, you know, not grand, granular or anything crazy for him or grandiose, really, for him. So, really, the first time him and the Hulkster in the same match together is 221-1987, Saturday night's main event number 10. Joe Lewis Arena, Detroit, Michigan. There is a, a battle royal. It's a big one. It's Andre the Giant and Hulk Hogan are both in this one. But as everybody remembers, Hercules gets the big victory in about 11 minutes. Just just to note that that's really the first time that Hogan and the genius, well, really him and Lanny Poffo, before he became the genius, get in the ring together. On March 18th, 1989, he's called Leaping Lanny, but he would quickly turn heel and become the genius in Boston. In, instantly got heat. I mean, just big, big time heat. He said how intelligent, you know, how intelligent he was, and he was so much smarter than the crowd. So when they reintroduced him as the genius, this arrogant heel who wore the cap, the gown to the ring, and is given poetry, and he's just being absolutely ridiculous, he just got immense amount of heat. That crowd absolutely hated him. He would obviously during his promos was all predicated on on ripping the baby face or really kind of tearing the face apart. Always would ridicule the baby face. He really adopted the exaggerated, effeminate, showboating tactics and and kind of the way he would prance around the ring. He would say very much like Gorgeous George, and that also drew a tremendous amount of heat. The genius would often write mathematical equations on a clipboard, and then he would say, tilt the balance of the match in his favor. You know, simple stuff like that. He would be getting wins over some decent names like Jim Powers and Paul Roma. But when he started facing uh, maybe, you know, a guy that was over him or maybe just a, a bigger name in Kogobi where he would take the loss. So it's not like he's getting this, this huge push, but he was in, in a good place as a genius and a, as a heel. Pafo would become, you know, pretty, I'd say pretty important just in, in the lore of like, okay, he's not, uh, you know, he's not a job by any stretch. Sometimes he's a manager. Sometimes he's a wrestler, but he's a guy that was able to get a tremendous amount of heat 
the guy um, really, really was absolutely uh, despised. So let's go to 1989, November 25th, 1989, Saturday night's main event, which was actually taped on 10-31-89. This is Saturday night's main event, a number 24, Kansas City Expo Center in Topeka, Kansas. The genius would defeat the immortal Hulk Hogan by countout. Interesting thing here is, okay, this is actually a really, really good match. And obviously he wins the countout because Mr. Perfect's interfering and really, you know, just being a pain in the ass and, and behind the ref's back, he's cheating. But before that, Hogan is really giving the genius a lot of stuff. He gave him a, an arm drag. He gave him some moves. He's letting him do his uh, effeminate showboating stuff. He's able to really kind of, give him some offense and was kind of surprising, but Hulk really puts him over. But I mean, the crowd is getting madder and madder and madder and it really, really building heat to Hogan smartly worked match. I mean, really smart guy, obviously really knew what he was doing, but man, like just, I thought he worked this match perfectly, you know, no pun intended there, but I really thought Hogan worked the match greatly and genius did it, did great in his role as well. I mean, getting the heat and really blowing it up and creating a, a sense of like, okay, when is Hogan going to kick this guy's ass? When is he going to beat this guy? And then Mr. Perfect cheats. And then all of a sudden Hogan doesn't get the victory of the genius. The genius wins by Canada. So that makes the crowd even more mad and more pissed off. And it was just crazy because then afterwards, perfect would strike Hogan, obviously with the belt and, and it helps the counter win, but he takes the belt and the genius and they run to the back and they are shown in the back uh, in the arena, destroying the championship belt with a hammer. It's pretty damn crazy um, to think that, wow, like, okay, Hogan hadn't lost in a while, really 21 months since his loss to Andre the Giant at the main event. So 21 months goes by, and the first form of loss that he gets on TV is to the genius. I know it's by count-up, but, man, this was such a big, big win, and it can't be understated, like, how shocked I remember being as a kid, and even going back and you're watching, like, there's no way the genius holds the victory over Hulk Hogan, but he really does, and it was really just as a bridge to, to get to the perfect feud and make you want to see Hogan destroy Perfect that much more than Perfect destroys the belt along with the genius. They're laughing about it. Genius gives him the hammer. They, they destroy it. I mean, it just keeps on growing and growing and becoming this big feud. You almost thought it was going to be the main event of WrestleMania 6, just the way it was going. I mean, the momentum began to to really pick up steam, and they're really, really starting to, to click on, on all cylinders as far as getting a lot of house show matches and getting that feud going. But like we talked about in the Perfect episode, for some reason, the return on the MSG house show in New York wasn't that great for Perfect Hogan. I don't know why. You almost can't explain it. Just crazy. So then by the time the Royal Rumble 1990 comes along, it was almost not, not the culmination of the Hogan Perfect feud, but it was like, okay, Hogan eliminates Perfect Glass to win the Royal Rumble. I wonder where they go from here. Then obviously you're building Warrior Hogan on the back of the feud between Hogan and Perfect. So you had so much interest in that. So then when you get to 1-3, 1990, main event number 25, UTC Arena in Chattanooga, Tennessee, Hogan and Warrior defeat Genius and Mr. Perfect in about eight minutes. And that's used as a real buildup to continue on because they continue to tease it a bit at the Royal Rumble too, when Hogan and, and Warrior had the confrontation and the great you know few minutes of wrestling there before the Barbarian comes in, and then the rest of the, the show takes place. But it's just crazy to think like, okay, Genius is getting the win. They're really pushing up perfect, but it's all leading to Hogan-Warrior instead, not the match of Hogan and perfect. But still, you cannot take it away. The Genius has that great win. And 
go back and watch that Genius Hogan match, um, a part of Saturday Night's Main Event 24. It's funny because I was actually watching AEW at, around this time, and I was watching, and I had it on the DVR. I, I missed it um, from a few weeks ago, and I was watching it last week around the same time I was putting this together. And I was like, wow, okay, Adam Page versus Adam Cole. Like, hey, I'm not really into both guys. They're both, you know, they're okay. Adam Page depends on the opponent. Adam Cole is severely overrated and it's ridiculous um, that a lot of people don't see that. But as far as I was watching that match, what that has to do with this is I actually was watching Hogan Genius and I thought, wow, Hogan Genius was way better than the Texas death match between Adam Cole and Adam Page. Subjective, sure, you know, whatever you want to say. But I just thought, okay what i just matched match, old school building heat great match hogan selling for this guy genius just being perfect in his role it just seemed better to me and i was a lot more interested in that i know funny to say maybe weird to say but i was way way more interested in that for for whatever uh, reason but as we continue on here so hogan and war like i mentioned just be perfect and genius Saturday's main event 25 that's one three nineteen ninety. Then we go two four nineteen ninety. We start hitting the house show scenes. Maple Leaf, Ontario, Canada. As the feud with Hogan and Perfect seems to cool off and lose the momentum, Hogan defeats Perfect and Genius in a two on one handicap match. Then we have a big match, which you can find online, and it's available. Uh, it should be available, but it's not available on Peacock or the network. Is WWF on MSG two nineteen nineteen ninety from Madison Square Garden in New York City. Hogan and Beefcake defeat. Mr. Perfect and the genius in about 15 minutes. Good match there. They'll have that match again in LA at the sports arena. They'll have it again at the sports arena in San Diego. They have it at the Montreal forum. Uh, excuse me. The, the Montreal forum match is Hogan and boss man defeating perfect and genius. Then they go to Providence, Rhode Island, Hogan and boss man again, defeat perfect and genius. Then they go to Orlando, Hogan and boss man beat perfect and genius again, following match in the following day, 318, 1990 in Tampa, Florida, Hogan and boss man beat them again. Then we go back 323, 92 beefcake and Hogan, and they defeat perfect and genius Richfield Coliseum and Richfield, Ohio. And then finally Hogan and boss man defeat perfect and genius. The Rosemont horizon in Rosemont, Illinois, AKA Chicago on 32490. That's the last time that those two, would be in together as far as Hogan and genius, but it was really just to me, a nice little intermediary feud with two big TV matches. The actually, excuse me, three big TV matches, the MSG match with beefcake and Hogan, the tag match on Saturday's main event 25 with Hogan and warrior defeating perfect and genius. And then of course the big match, the genius defeating Hulk Hogan in nine minutes, Saturday's main event 24 which was a big one because Hogan, like I said, hadn't lost in 21 months. So that's why I kind of wanted to bring it up. And that's why I really wanted to do this episode on the genius Lenny Poffo, who to me was kind of unheralded. One of those guys that could really, really do his job really well, was a great athlete, a great wrestler, a great competitor. RVD had admitted that he was a mentor to him, so to speak, or a guy that he really, really looked up to was his favorite wrestler, took a lot of moves from him and, and took a lot of uh, his offense and he just loved what he was able to do. It's funny, if he was in this era, he'd be really, really just over like Rover because they would love a big guy like that. They can do such athletic maneuvers and he'd be so nimble in the ring. And it's funny, he's a pretty big guy, but back then he wasn't considered a big guy just because of the size of the Hulksters and the other guys in the 80s and in that Hogan era were, were completely 
big time monsters. So really they had, you know, basically uh, 14 matches in total. But really, if you think about it, three really major ones, MSG, Saturday Night's Main Event 24 and 25. The one in 24 is absolutely huge to me because Hogan didn't lose much. And on TV, he hadn't lost in 21 months. And the last time he lost was to Andre the Giant. So that is a big time win and a big time memory. A lot of the fans should have of the genius getting an absolute monumental victory over the Hulkster. So really, people may not realize this or not, and really me kind of forgetting some of this too, but when the genius is going along and, and really stops managing Mr. Perfect, it's funny, and I talked to the genius about this in an interview. It's in the, in the archives. When I interviewed him, he was saying that, you know, a lot of people thought that him and Perfect had a longer kind of partnership than they did but really only last three or four months in my mind too it felt felt like it lasted years because they were part of such important angles and a part of such important events that you always kind of equated them being together longer but they were not so as he starts to go along and we'll get into 1991 here he loses to bret hart on wrestling's challenge um he's beating jim duggan on a house show shockingly but then he loses to snooker and Coco, here's a great match for you. Rowdy Piper and the Bushwhackers defeat the Beverly Brothers and the Genius as he becomes the managers and also wrestler part alongside the Beverly Brothers. Another great match on some house shows. Three in a row. The Beverly Brothers and the Genius defeat Jimmy Nightheart and the Bushwhackers. So, you know, he's starting to get some good wins here. He gets a few wins over Jim Brenzel. Would love to see those matches, but they're all on house shows. He gets a few losses to Virgil. And then he beats Bob Bradley. But here's some interesting stuff. So Paul Ellering and the Legion of Doom. Superstars TV taping from Glens Fall, New York, 629-1992. In about 10 minutes, Ellering and the Legion of Doom defeat the Genius and the Beverly Brothers. And that match would continue on a bunch of house shows as well. Then, of course, when Hawk leaves and you're kind of left with an interesting team of Animal and Crush. Animal Crush and Paul Ellering defeat Blake Beverly, the Brooklyn Brawler, and the genius. Two days in a row, one in Indianapolis and one in Auburn Hills. What a random match that is. I'd love to kind of see that. Um, his last real big match was a part of the European tour. And if you remember, some of them were part of a, a videotape, but there's a Virgil match, 925-1992. Virgil defeats the genius in about seven minutes there. And really, for the rest of the European tour, those two are married to each other as Virgil would beat him about five times in a row. Then El Matador, Tito Santana, beats the genius a few times. Then 1023-92 on a house show, Paul Diamond dressed up as Max Moon would defeat the genius in Denver, Colorado. Then his last match really was against uh, Virgil, losing in West Palm Beach, Florida in 1992, 11-8-92. And then for whatever random reason, his real official last WWF match, he loses to Mabel at a house show at the Richfield Coliseum in Richmond, excuse me, Richmond Coliseum in Richmond, Virginia, 6-11-1994. Really random and really weird. I guess maybe he had one last match on to, to, to figure out here on the contract. They brought him as in just to test him out, see what he still had. I'm not really sure there. They were still pretty uh, allegiant to the Macho Man. So it could have been something to do with that because you know how loyal Macho Man was to Leapin' Lanny through the years. So really, that's it for this episode. There was some pretty major stuff going on with Leapin' Lanny and with the Hulkster. Great little feud, like I said, little bridge feud, kind of a, an unheralded guy, should get more credit. 
especially for the fact that he got a big victory over Hogan, who barely lost in two years. So pretty amazing in the annals of time, in the annals of history. Like, wow, who beat Hogan in the Hogan era? The genius can put his name up on that list. So set towards the plugs. Follow me on Twitter and Instagram at Two Man Power Trip. Check out the website, tmptempire.com. Patreon, patreon.com slash tmptempire. like to thank everybody for tuning in. We'll see you right back here next week for the Hogan Era Podcast. We'll see you next week, folks. This has been a John Paz Power Trip production in conjunction with the two-man power trip of wrestling. You can follow us on Instagram and Twitter at two-man power trip. You can check us out on Facebook. You can subscribe on YouTube. You can go to patreon.com slash TMPT Empire to become a patron. And also check out the website tmptempire.com and buy a shirt at prowrestlingtees.com. Two-man power trip where the power lies brother. Ah, I've always believed brains will defeat brawn any day. I give you the genius. There's only one man smart enough to put Hulk Hogan down. The genius has a devastating plan. You're looking at the future World Wrestling Federation, who appeals to the modern thinking fan. When I emerge victorious with gold around my waist, I shall be the most splendiferous of all. Don't tell me Hulk is six foot eight and I'm just six foot two. Between the ears, I'm over 10 feet tall. He wants to wrap his 24 inch pythons around my neck and give his famous, what you gonna do? By the power of the genius and the world's smartest man, I'll rely on my incredible IQ. Ha, Hemingway and Frost, they ain't got nothing on this guy. Back to you, McMahon. Thank you ever so much, Jesse. And making his way to the ring now, the genius, the man who indeed poses a threat to the World Wrestling Federation Championship reign of the Hulkster. Uh, albeit, however, the most unusual threat, I think, ever to the Hulkster. And we're going to find out just how smart this man really is when he is soon to lock up with a 300-pound Hulkster who is standing by with Mean Gene. This with me, of course, the World Wrestling Federation Heavyweight Champion, Hulk Hogan. Hulkster, tonight your opponent is going to be the genius, the world's smartest man. Now, I'm curious, how are you going to fight the combination of his aerial acrobatics along with his Machiavellian tactics? Well, you know me, Gene, the genius may have a high IQ, brother, but I'm sure he's got a low tolerance for pain. Besides, if he's so darn smart, how come he doesn't know that mathematically he can't win, brother? What are you talking about? What do you mean? Well, it's a simple equation, Mean Gene. The three demandments of the training, the prayers, and the vitamins, plus the 24-inch pythons, times all those Hulkamaniacs equals victory. Wait a minute now, Hulk. What if the genius's athletic achievements are as good as his poetic prowess? Poetic prowess? Try this one on, Mean Gene. Roses are red. Violets are blue. The Hulkster's a wrestler. Genius, what are you? <laughs> All right, Vince. Regardless of what has been said so far, I don't think we're going to have a lesson in poetry reading. I think it is going to be an all-out battle for the World Wrestling Federation title. Back to you. The cheek. And I'll say this, McMahon, this is definitely the most intelligent opponent Hogan has ever faced in his reign.
Chasing the oh come on, what is this, Jesse? I know what he's using. He's using the Muhammad Ali technique. Float like a butterfly, sting like a bee. Well, thus far we've only seen the float like a butterfly aspect. The Hulkster now in the grips. And what's he gonna do? Hulkster. Oh yeah, look at that! I've never seen anyone shoved down in the ring. Let's the Hulkster just shot the genius. The genius, you bet. Brains right there, Jesse. Yeah, oh, yeah, that took brains, McMahon. That it took sheer did. brawn. It did, huh? There's no brains in that move. That was a muscle move. I see. If you had muscle, you might know about that. Oh. Oh, come on. I've never seen anyone enter the ring like that. What grace. Very poetic, huh? Even the Hulkster appreciates that. And now, locking up again. And another shot. Look. What is going on here? See, the genius improves after every move. Good. He uses his head. You know, this is a classic example for the children of the world. What's Brain versus brawn. We'll find out. Nice hip toss by the Hulkster. Hulk Hogan moving in. And the genius high in the air. Slam down to the canvas. Hulkster setting up the genius. Rips it to the rope. And whoa. Nice maneuver by the genius. Using his head again. Out to the ring. What's he doing now? He wasn't about to run into the foot of the Hulkster. And the genius is going to write some poetry. Has a scroll on the outside. What is going on? Again, we said this is a most eccentric individual. The genius. Moses. I know what he's doing, McMahon. He's figuring out mathematically, using equations, how he's going to beat Hogan. Really? This is computerized wrestling with his mind. The guy's a walking computer. He is, huh? Apparently, he's figured it out now, and here's that entrance again. Oh, my, I'm impressed. I'd like to see you try that. Holster appears to have a little frustration in his face. He wants to have at it, and it looks like his opponent does not. Ooh! Beautiful arm dragged yeah. by the genius. Look how he celebrates. Yeah. That was most unusual. Caught the Hulkster off guard. 
a perfect. A bit frustrated on the outside. Look at that. Rake of the face. A rake down the back. Now another one. The genius is stooping to Hogan level. What exactly? He's going to Hogan's level of wrestling. The Hulkster turning things back out. Look at this. Hulk Hogan is just all over the genius. The Hulkster again, as you said earlier, is frustrated to the max. Hogan with genius in the middle of the ring. And whoa, all the way to the outside. Now, what was the purpose for that? You're supposed to wrestle a man. You're supposed to try to pin a man. Not permanently injure him by throwing him out of the ring. The Hulkster obviously frustrated. Mr. Perfect now out there by the genius. What's this? Hogan's taking it to the floor. Hogan, better watch out. He better worry about the genius and not bother with Mr. Perfect. Genius back in the Hulkster now coming back in. Wait a minute. Oh my, right into the head with a championship belt. And the referee didn't see anything in the ring, McMahon. He didn't see it. The referee has been counting the holster out. Indeed, he did not see that, and I can't Ladies believe it. Major upset. Reigns wins over Braun. count out, the genius. What an upset, McMahon. Eat your words. Eat your words. The genius took him. He beat Hogan. Hogster back in the ring. The genius and Mr. Perfect running. And they have the championship belt with them. Hogster's going to go after him.